Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because because they they anchor us in something something which can can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Mark 11, 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage in Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that's never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, Whoa, 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 what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them, The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. And they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And then those who went ahead and those who followed, they were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest! And then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Woo, I'm just going to give a little thanks to Mitch. He is not even on our call today, you guys. He is out of town, and he was so gracious and kind and offered to videotape his um, scripture this morning. Because when I preach, you know, he's my favorite guy to have read scripture. No, I mean, all of you are awesome. But Mitch, Mitch has my heart as scripture reader, just going to say. Um, Anyway, hi, I'm Kara. Um, I'm on staff here at Genesis. And as always, it's such a gift to explore scripture with you um, today, this morning, coming to you from a new location that I haven't been at before in my house, you guys, in a very weird spot near our recycling and our basement door, but it's got good lighting. I love the natural light from outside. So, and Freya created a little new art this morning, which I noticed is like a fairy and a witch. And an alien. So if that's theologically problematic for you, I don't know. I'm just gonna say let's let's maybe open up some more expansiveness into your thoughts. So thanks, Freya, for the art. Um, you know, we're kind of an eclectic bunch of folks here from all different traditions at Genesis. And so I'm I'm a little curious as we're here on Palm Sunday. Um, I'm curious how many of you come from traditions, either maybe when you were a kid or even as an adult before um, before um, you came 
to our church. Do you have a tradition of celebrating Palm Sunday? For those of you with video on, if you grew up in a little Palm Branch parade or um, maybe even had a, a real donkey come to your church like we did, where you could then parade around the neighborhood following a donkey, would you just kind of do a little hand raise if you grew up with some palm branches? And then if you, um, if Palm Sunday was kind of just a regular Sunday, like the Sunday before Easter to kind of launch you up for the big, the big Sunday next week, would you give me a little wave if you, if Palm Sunday is kind of a new thing to you or new to new since coming to Genesis? All right. There's a little bit more on the end of Palm Branch experience. So maybe some more of us came out of some liturgical, some liturgical backgrounds than I thought. Well, fun. Um, an interesting note about Palm Sunday, and I say, when I say interesting and when I say fun, it may be only interesting and fun to a few of us. <laughs> so I'm gonna preface that. But um, an interesting um, note about Palm Sunday is the lectionary gives preachers kind of these two options. Do we preach, um, is it the Liturgy of the Palms, which is just a Palm Sunday story, or is it the Liturgy of the Passion, which would include Palm Sunday all the way through Jesus's um, betrayal, trial, and crucifixion? Um, that's a that's a very very big portion to try to, to try to work on in a few few short amount of time. So we're focusing today just on Palm Sunday, so we can kind of dig into that good stuff of just what today is about. And one more fun fact about Palm Sunday, again, fun fact, um, fun me, um, is that oftentimes the ashes that we use on Ash Wednesday are from the palm branches that are used the year before. So it kind of has that full circle life of um, liturgical awesomeness that we, um, that we are part of. Regardless of your traditions surrounding Palm Sunday, it's a story that many of us know. And familiarity with the text might cause us to want to um, check out a little bit today, uh, especially as kind of look outside and it's so sunny and beautiful. <laughs> Maybe a little cold, but it looks so lovely. Um, but you know, things rise up and out of scripture every time we read together in community. And every time we approach the text at a different time in our lives, especially considering that last year when we read this story, I mean, last year on Palm Sunday, I feel like a whole lifetime has happened between now and then. So I hope that you'll join me this morning in kind of coming to the text of Palm Sunday with some curiosity and with some fresh eyes as we engage in it together. Um, I'm going to have you listen to the story one more time. And as I, as I read it, and it won't be as awesome as Mitch, it's just how it is. Um, and I hear my daughter coming in the door saying, hey mama, where are you? Hey girl, I'm preaching right now, okay? Um, and um, as I'm reading through the text, listen to see if anything kind of bubbles up for you. So does anything strike you as interesting or strange as you hear or read these words yourself? And you can pop those into the chat. Um, if you're new to Genesis, we utilize what's called an all play, um, which means we value the voice of the chorus, um, as opposed to just the voice of the singular person who is, um, who is preaching on that Sunday. So this is kind of an open all play. What rises up for you in the text as I'm reading through again? Mark 11, 1 through 11. <laughs> I just saw Mama's getting her preach on. I love that, Regan. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> when they were approaching Jerusalem 
at Beth Phage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go to the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here immediately. Then they, then they went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take the colt. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and he went to the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, it was already late. He then went out to Bethany with the 12. I'm going to look quickly at, at the responses here. Um, it reminds me when the police are like, somebody, we need this car. Let's commandeer your vehicle. And then they take someone's car. Uh, it's a pretty big deal to go get that colt and bring it to Jesus. And then, yeah, it's, it gets kind of anticlimactic <laughs> when they get to the temple and it's like, and it was late. And so Jesus left again. If you were blessed with the gift of anxiety, like I was, there's something about that last part of the passage where um, the idea that it's kind of urgent and timely and it's getting late and what's happening at the temple and then Jesus leaves. I just, by the time I end this passage, I'm like, oh, I'm so tense. I'm so tense, you guys. Um, you know, Mark's gospel, you can keep putting things in the chat about the passage as you see it, as we kind of go, and I'll try to catch up as we, as we move on this morning. But Mark's gospel is likely the earliest of the gospel writers. And Palm Sunday the Palm Sunday story is included in each of the four gospels. Each gospel writer has their own voice, so to speak. And Mark's entire gospel reads like this dramatic play, which is designed to communicate this, you know, the central message that Jesus was Israel's long-awaited Messiah. And he often uses this, this motif of secrecy um, throughout the gospel to communicate that message. During the first 10 chapters, Mark is detailing Jesus's ministry and he continues to note repeatedly that Jesus tells people that he's encountered and that he's healed, not to tell anyone about it. The healed leper in chapter one, when he goes and he heals people by the seaside in chapter three, when he brings a girl back from the dead in chapter five, and when he cures a blind man in chapter eight. This messianic secret is especially intriguing when it's set against what Jesus does on Palm Sunday, because his actions on Palm Sunday are anything but under the radar. The style of storytelling that Mark employs here, it, it impacts our reading, and as does when we understand kind of the geographic and historic circumstances that, that affect the people within the narrative. Because Jerusalem was a royal city. King David had made it the capital and Solomon had built the first temple there. 
So Jews who envisioned a royal messiah would likely envision them ruling from Jerusalem. We're also near the Mount of Olives, a place associated with the final battle against the enemies of Israel in Zechariah 14. Pilgrims are making their way to Jerusalem at this time to celebrate Passover. And that festival is about celebrating the liberation of the Israelites from slavery. So it's this potent time. It's full of hopeful expectation. The air likely felt like it crackled with some electricity, if electricity would have been a thing back then. But given the historical and geographic significance, it's easy to see that day elicits a lot of hope, maybe some protest, and certainly some impending conflict. And the Roman authorities were also likely to take notice of what was going on in their midst in light of the Passover festival. The Gospel of Mark weaves together these two different traditions, the Messiah liberator and the restorer of the Davidic monarchy. Restoration of the temple and the restoration of kingship become these parallel hope, parallel hopes for the Jews. And the cries from the people in our passage today, blessed is the coming kingdom, is a cry of hope for restoring that Davidic monarchy and that cry for overthrowing Roman rule. It is both hope and protest. Hosanna is a Hebrew word evoking both exuberant praise to God with the deep prayer that God will save her people. All of this to say that the details feel really orchestrated, orchestrated by Jesus in order to communicate a message. And in doing so, it's really easy to see why people in the narrative had such high hopes as they near Jerusalem. So with that little bit of background, let's look at who the characters in our scripture story are today. First, we have Jesus, of course. It's difficult to read this um, passage without kind of seeing Jesus as provoking those in power, the empire and the religious ruling class. At the very least, he knew that his message about the kingdom of God was gonna be too offensive for them. So he has some options. He can move forward in peace towards whatever end is coming, or he can tone it down. He can tone down the healings and the teachings and the outward manifestations of God's power and love for creation. And we know Jesus is not there to do that. Everything about what Jesus is doing here feels so deliberate. I was talking about this text with Josh, my husband, last night, and he was curious about why Jesus would orchestrate all of this if he knew he wasn't going to rule a kingdom like that. It seems like a setup for disappointment. And I, man, I think that is such a great question. And the only thing, the only response I had to that was that it made me think of all of the times that Jesus would be teaching and he would be talking to people and saying, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this. It was a way for Jesus to always be redefining categories. So by using imagery that the people understood to coincide with kingship, he could eventually show them that the kingdom of God was far more expansive than they could ever comprehend. Now we have the disciples. The disciples get this super specific request from Jesus. And maybe, maybe by now they're kind of used to those odd requests by Jesus. Like they kind of know, like that's probably going to be the thing. And that's, maybe they were just humoring him. Because sometimes that's what you do when you get a weird request from your boss, right? 
I had a boss once that really wanted me to get Oprah to endorse our little nonprofit program. And she was really earnest and wanted me to get right on that. And I was like, hmm, okay, let me just shoot off that email to Oprah because I have her email address. Sometimes you give it a half-hearted shot. And maybe that's what the disciples here were, were, were doing. But here they were successful, whereas my Oprah attempts, not successful. And I kind of imagine these disciples as they're leading that cult back, kind of high-fiving each other like, it worked. We got it. We did it. And everyone else in the story, all the other unnamed people, they kind of seem like folks you'd find on the Nextdoor app. I mean, you have a couple of nosy people that are like, um, excuse me, are you, are you supposed to be taking that donkey? And you have some folks that show up with their cloaks, some others with some branches. You've got a whole crowd that starts in, as part of this parade. Why, why, why do we include all these cast of characters in the story? Part of it is I keep thinking about how this crowd, with this large crowd, they all came experiencing the same event with different motives, with different contexts, with different hopes, all in the same moment in time. There's so much familiarity with the story, and yet, as I was sitting with it this week, I came across some imagery that I hadn't heard before from, um, from a preacher and professor who's since passed away, Fred Craddock, and he is um, kind of considered a, uh, a modern shaper of the style of uh, sermons that we often engage with here at Genesis, more of an inductive and narrative style of preaching. And he summarized the Palm Sunday story into this threefold perspective. Palm Sunday is simultaneously a parade, a protest, and a funeral procession. First, we have a parade. The pilgrims are on their way to celebrate Passover. It's a festival. Spirits are high as folks are entering Jerusalem. Many in the crowd and even some of the disciples are experiencing this morning as pageantry. And this is kind of the, the experience that we, that we probably have um, as children with Palm Sunday. And even today, a dance party. There's something fun and festive about it. I have these lovely memories of watching my daughter Freya walking down the aisle at our church, waving her palm branch dressed up, shouting Hosanna. And there are still some seasons when I show up to Palm Sunday and I am in parade mode for sure. But there's also other stuff going on in the story as well. There's tension. There's some rabble rousing going on. There are public de declarations and there's even grief. Next, we have the protest. As we mentioned before, the Jews were in this precarious position with Rome. As long as they kept things low key and under the radar, they could keep their festivals. They could keep their religious ruling class. But the possibility of violence was always close at hand. There was much for the Jews to protest, and it's understandable that they would desire to call Jesus King David's successor. The shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, is a cry tinged with protest. It's not hard to imagine that palm branches could both be waved in a celebratory way, but also shaken as a way of ang in anger and protest. I haven't been to a lot of um, protests until last spring. Usually I don't know what to do with myself. I feel kind of weird or out of place or I don't know. 
it's difficult. It's really difficult to adequately describe the energy of people who are marching for their very lives. There are these uncensored emotions on display, and it's terrifying and exhilarating and humbling and rage-inducing all at the same time. This week, I, I rewatched that video for that song, March, March, by the Chicks. And man, I would play it this morning if, if it didn't have some language that maybe wasn't as family-friendly. But go check out YouTube and check it out. As I was thinking about the sermon, as I was thinking about the Derek Chauvin trial, I was, as I was thinking about the shootings in Atlanta and in Denver, as I was thinking about what's taking place in Myanmar, I, I'm, I'm just reminded that there's such a depth of emotion that springs up when we cry out for justice in an unjust world. To participate in the Palm Sunday processional was for those who protested, it was an act of standing up against injustice and violence. And while they didn't know it yet, the people in Mark's gospel walked the dusty road into Jerusalem alongside the one who would eventually conquer death. And lastly, we have the funeral procession. There's so much discomfort in this story when you know how the week turns out. I kind of cringe when I, when I think about how quickly the Hosannas will turn to crucify him later in the week. And I have such a hard time picturing Jesus's face in that parade when he's riding that donkey, knowing that it, what he's walking <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Knowing what he is um, walking towards and knowing that it's not going to be great. It's going to be terrible. It's a path he doesn't want to endure. And we see that even more clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet it's still a path he walks. My dad died when I was 29 after a quick cancer diagnosis. And one of the few crystal clear memories I have of that time is that funeral procession outside the church. Standing on the steps with these open doors on a very warm March day. I watched my husband and my brother-in-law and my uncles carrying my dad's body in this plain pine box, slowly out the door. Not a path that any of us had chosen or wanted to be on, but it was the one that we had before us. Whether or not Jesus knew all of the events that were gonna take place, he knew the path that he was on wasn't gonna end without conflict and violence. He knew that there was no way those in power could leave his radical message of the kingdom of God unchecked. Jesus had been telling his disciples about his impending death and resurrection. And even though they didn't seem to get it, you had to think that even they were possibly thinking, wonder how this is all gonna turn out this week. Where are you in the Palm Sunday narrative today? Are you swept up in the parade full of joy and hosannas? Perhaps the hopefulness of spring and the expansion of vaccines has you with a little spring in your step. Are you marching in protest? Are you raging against the empire and those who use power to subjugate and control? The world feels fraught with injustice, with gun violence, racism, ridiculous voter laws, and too many other hard things. 
Are you walking the slow, gut-wrenching steps of a funeral procession, mourning and lamenting the brokenness of this world? The deep sting of loss, the uncertain future ahead of you, and the toll of grief that makes our lives difficult and painful. You see, all these three, these three things are all faithful portraits within our scripture this morning. And all three images will accompany Jesus and his followers in the days ahead. Because we follow a Jesus who celebrated, who turned water into wine and fed thousands of people with generosity and joy. We follow a Jesus who protested, who overturned tables and who spoke out against injustice. And we follow a Jesus who grieved, who wept in the garden, who took compassion on God's people. And I love this word from Reverend Ira Driggers. The beauty of the ambiguity of this Palm Sunday is that there's always more than meets the eye. What looks like a parade is not just a parade. What seems to be a protest march is more than that. And the solemnity of a funeral procession is interrupted by shouts of joy. Few things in this world are certain. In our moments of great celebration, there are always those around us who carry pain within them. In our moments of deepest pain, there are always small instances of joy to be relished. Perhaps knowing where we are in the story right now can open us up to the possibility that God could sweep you up into joy and Hosanna the next minute. Or to notice that God is is letting you kind of settle into holding grief and loss for a season. Or to hear anew that the Holy Spirit is stirring a cry within you against injustice. And whether we show up with joy, with rage, with grief, it's all in the story. The story of God, the story of God's people, the story in scripture that we are not alone. And maybe these days we move a little more fluidly through those emotions and through those places than we haven't before. I know I've noticed, I've just been holding these kind of three pillars of joy, rage, grief, moving through them sometimes very quickly um, and back and forth all the time. And that feels super disorienting. But what centers me is the reminder that God is in the parade the joy. God is in the protest, the rage. God is in the funeral procession, the grief, in that first Palm Sunday, as well as today. We don't show up for Palm Sunday and have the same experience, just as our characters in our story today did not. Palm Sunday is complex, just as the human experience is. So I'm going to give you an invitation for this week. Don't rush through today and jump ahead to next week. Don't skip from palm branches today to Easter lilies next Sunday. The movement of Jesus through Holy Week is the stuff of human existence. It's joy and protest, it's hope, betrayal, death and doubt, it's shame, wonder, pain and grief. Sit with the discomfort, with the irony, with the doubt, with the questions. God knows that journey. Light the candles, keep the vigil, wait for the big reveal. Let us celebrate this new thing that God is doing. Let us call for justice. Let us tend to the grief in and through and alongside Jesus, the word of God made flesh.
May we each carry a bit of that parade, the protest and the funeral procession with us into Holy Week. And may we remember, we do not journey through it alone. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.